Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Frog Snacks Podcast. It is episode 192, and uh, I am Snacks. With me, as always, loyal co-host, Frog. Hello, hello. Hello. And, uh, wow, actually, you know, it's amazing how you can go from one episode of not really having a whole lot to talk about and just kind of like, you know, just sort of shooting the breeze to having a whole bunch of topics just sort of like fall into your lap. Um so this since last uh since last episode or around the time of uh last week's episode uh we had uh a couple of things that could probably take up a whole episode in and of themselves but we're going to pick a few of them and we are going to uh do do our thing with them uh talk uh, about them at you uh and give you some thoughts and try and cover some stuff that might have been missed in general coverage of, of the topic, right? So specifically, uh, before we get into some other stuff like uh, the Nintendo Direct that dropped last night, uh, we want to talk about Apex Legends, which came out uh, like a week and a half ago, maybe? Last Monday. Yeah. Last Monday. Um, so yeah, just two days before last week's episode. Uh, and at that point, the game had already really taken off. But since last week's episode, you know, I've seen figures up, uh, up basically like Overwatch post-launch numbers, like some pretty ridiculously high uh, download numbers. Um, but you know, people have talked about the game itself, what it what it does differently in the BR realm, uh, the fact that it is very good. Um, I've played a bit of it so I can, I can shed some light on what I think about the actual gameplay and, and how it stacks up to other, uh, BR games that I've played, but really we want to talk about, uh, something else really. We want to talk about Respawn and EA and we want to talk about how the game was released and what that did for the game, what that did for EA, what that did for EA's, you know, calendar, what the subsequent success of the game has done for EA's calendar, what, um, you know, what releasing a game like this can, you know, does for, you know, does to the hype cycle, uh, does, you know, why could this, uh, you know, work really well in favor of the developer? Why could it backfire? You know, a lot of these topics really weren't discussed. It was just sort of like, take it for granted that the game was out and it was free and it was good. And and I think that we get to, when I say we, I mean, you know, just general, uh, you know, the, the, the general... The gaming public. Yeah, the general gaming public, the, the, the gaming journalism uh, industry... Um, you know, this is the type of discussion that I think that they're either that they I think are reluctant to have so close to the launch, and then sometimes if if it doesn't seem like it's historically relevant, it never happens at all. And I think that you always want to be the first to talk about, you know, oh yeah, yeah, you played it, yeah, I played it, yeah, we played it. What do you think? You know, what what are your thoughts on the game itself? Because once it gets to a certain level of popularity, kind of doesn't matter how it ended up in our hands. The, it's just it's just good and popular and now is a thing that EA has to work on but as very few people pointed out but but you know some did I, maybe even I, I might be um, 
I might be uh, misquoting or, or misattributing this, but I think uh, Jeremy Parrish had had uh, mentioned, you know, what e- basically the, the, as far as he he went was he had laid out what EA's release schedule was supposed to look like for 2019, and now it looks different. Uh, but as far as an in-depth discussion of all the things that I, I had listed, uh, really haven't seen a whole lot of it. So we're going to try and do some of that uh, right here, right now. Yeah. So, well, what, let me let me start off because I want to lay the groundwork here, right? Mm-hmm. So, as as you just said, what makes this so interesting is that there has not been, there's been plenty of talk about the game itself. You know how it plays, all the ways it differs from existing battle royales, the comparisons to Overwatch, yada 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 yada. Everybody else can talk about that. You can talk about it a little later too, if you want. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't get to play the game yet in earnest because I was having some technical issues, which I figured out, but I just haven't sat down to actually uh, go into the game yet. And I already know a few people uh, who are all in on Apex Legends. And a lot of people, if Twitter and Twitch are to be believed, have also gone all in on this game. I'm actually pretty surprised to see exactly how shockingly positive the reaction's been. Mm -hmm. But that's part of what we want to talk about, right? So, the story I want to tell starts with Beyonce, as most things in life do. Mm-hmm. So, Beyonce, I want to say this is 2014 going into 2015, but people can look up the data. She said, yo, we're releasing this album, surprise, Christmas present, here y'all go. And she melted down the internet. And most of, you know, media commentary spheres for the next, like, week. Oh, my God. Beyonce released an album out of nowhere with no pre-release hype, no giant billboards, no nothing. She just dropped it. And it went on to become hugely successful. Now, of course, part of that is because it's fucking Beyonce. Mm -hmm. But I think that was the point being made. I'm Beyonce. I can release this whenever I like. Since then, the surprise album has actually, I don't know if I'd call it a staple yet, but it has been repeated many times. We get a number of surprise albums every year. And in multiple genres for that matter too, right? But now, here in in the year of our Lord 2019, we have the surprise video game. Now, surprise album, and especially surprise album from a huge and popular pop star, is already a pretty ballsy thing. But I'm really surprised at how little commentary there's been on how audacious it is to release a surprise big-budget video game, regardless of the fact that, yes, it's free. That's ballsy. Think about this. You're Respawn. You have a pretty good name for yourself as far as, uh, you know, the reputation among players, right? Those those people that have played Respawn's Titanfall games are on board with them. But the problem is, that's not that many people. Both Titanfall 1 and Titanfall 2, criminally in my opinion, ended up being pretty niche games. So they say, okay, 
Well, our follow-up is about to be this thing that is, A, not Titanfall, though they, you know, it's supposed to be in the Titanfall universe, and B, uh, you know, kind of a Johnny-come-lately to the Battle Royale bandwagon. Both of these are a recipe for disaster most days, right? Especially coming from a studio that already doesn't have, like, a gigantic following. And so they said... We're going to take the, again, super ballsy step of not telling anybody that this even exists until it's ready to go. They're on record saying that the reason they did it is because they knew if they announced that they would have been crucified on the internet. So they said, we're just going to drop the game and let people decide for themselves. Now, I think that this, clearly the last two weeks proves that this was a phenomenal strategy. That's just so much to unpack here. So it's a phenomenal strategy because they did completely circumvent the narrative and they were totally correct because even the day it came out, you had people like, what do you mean it's not Titanfall? What do you mean it's another Battle Royale? But all that went to bed immediately, right? Yeah. Overnight, they- all that went to bed because people just started playing the game. Yeah, they didn't have time. Like the the, the negative... Uh, you know, response didn't have time to manifest itself into a movement because exactly the game was the game was already out and people were like, "It's good though. Who cares?" You so know? think about that level of audacity too, right? You have to have big dick confidence in your product to say we're putting out this thing that people worked for what at least two years on. Yep, and we have to be so confident that this shit is fire that we're going to go ahead and just drop it on the world. It, it's it's unbelievably ballsy. And I think there's, I'm not sure how true it is, but apparently the story goes that not even EA properly knew that it was about to come out. <laughs> That's From awesome. what I understand. That's awesome. So, which would make sense because... If, if, if that is the case, that would explain why it is being put out so close to Anthem, which is a very perfect uh, counter-narrative to this, right? So Anthem is the total opposite of what's going on here. Yes. Here you have a game that is from a well, well, well-established legendary studio with a huge fan base, even if the fan base is a little bit sour after it. Bioware's last um, outing, right? Mm-hmm. So you have highly, if not if not necessarily highly anticipated, highly visible next product, right? And they're going in a totally different direction, much like uh, Respawn went in a totally different direction to do Apex Legends, right? But Anthem had literally, what, a year and a half, two years of pre-release hype? Yeah. Like, it's been, and, it's know, been marinating. Like, we're all... Like aware of Anthem, like we we gotta you know we're we're we've just got like the egg timer on you know yeah and the narrative has been I wouldn't say relentlessly negative because there's been some pushback on that after the two betas but it's been overall definitely negative because people are like it's EA so it's gonna be shite it's Bioware and Bioware and Andromeda shite so this is gonna be shite. This is a Destiny ripoff, so it's going to be shite. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. So the narrative has just been relentlessly negative. Now, let's think about thought experiment. 
what if Bioware said, we're going to fuck all that. We're not going to even say anything. We're just going to drop Anthem on February 22nd. Here y'all go. Uh, so, I think they would have had a similar impact. So we're, you're saying like if 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 we did not know about Anthem today, but in, in five days we just got it. Yep. Okay. Um, Even with the fact that it's a 60-hour game, I think you would have had people that would have been like, what? And just thrown the money at the screen because they heard Bioware, new game, and saw mechs. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't so, see. I don't see how it back. I don't see how it ba- like assuming assuming the assuming it's a competently made game, and isn't cheeks, right? Right. I don't see how it backfires. And In my right, humble opinion, yeah. Go ahead. Having played Anthem already, I think it is at the very least a competently made video game. I think a lot of the people who are complaining again, this is where the social media narratives come in because I think a lot of the people who went to play it went in already a planning to talk shit about it, regardless of whatever they thought. So, which is not to say I don't think it's like an unassailable game where it doesn't have any flaws, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I really think a lot of people did not go into it with an open mind from the get-go. But had it come out as a surprise release, you wouldn't have had that, would you? No, I guess... Because nobody would have known what else. You're right. And, and, I think, and I think that that's... It's, key what I said and what you said that the game has to be good for this to work but also but also you need to have confidence that it is good otherwise you would never try and pull off this stunt right you have to have confidence that's good and you have to have, I was going to say you have to have confidence that people will try it but all you really need for people to try it uh, for Apex Legends, it worked because it's free, right? Mm-hmm. People hear it from a studio that has a good reputation, dropped a free game. Of course you're going to try it. You know, why, why wouldn't you? Right. If there's anything that we've learned about gamers is that we are like shameless fucking sluts when it comes to price points. <laughs> yes. If the price point is low enough, we don't give a damn what it is. It could be Goat Fucking Simulator. <laughs> Literally! literally goat simulator yeah literally goat simulator it could literally be damn goat simulator and we'll be like sure five dollars why not it'll be a good meme right and i mean you've you've uh you've harped on about the elasticity of of gaming price right yeah and absolutely and it's like it really it really it really is like that. It, it you know, people. It be played, like that. Ple- it be like that. P- people simulated being a goat for a while. Uh, <laughs> a long while. Like that was a popular ass game. That was like <laughs> what a top ten Steam game. Like what? So the point I'm simply making is all this is driving at this point, and this is what I'm going to ask you now. Mm-hmm. Especially given that we know that this is like the most imitator-friendly industry ever. Mm -hmm. Do you think we're about to see the floodgates open and every year we're going to have now like five surprise games come out of fucking nowhere? I think every developer um, with at least... Okay, so I have I have I have two uh, 
two things I want to say, right? Go ahead. Every developer with that is either AAA on its on its own or has AAA publishing backing, right? Mm-hmm. Will now attempt this at least once with one game over the course of the next five years. Yep. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying that this is going to be like the new norm that every year, you know, we can expect like two developers, you know, two big AAA developers to be like, oh, by the way, we got this game. It's available now. Go check it out. I think that they're all going to try it once. And then maybe if after they go through like a full development, because I'm telling you right now, two days after Apex Legends uh, dropped, a developer started a project in secret. Yep. And oh, it, no question. And we might not see that game for another two years, but they're going to try it. Um, because a lot of the games that are already in development, even if they're in very early stages of development, we know about. Yep. So we're not going to see this for a while. And even they said, like, the, they started uh, Apex Legends, like, shortly after PUBG blew up. So we're, t- we're talking, like, you know, two years ago. Like two full yep. calendar years ago, and you know, it, and it's it's amazing that they they clearly have been plugged in because it's it's managed to be different enough. And like I said, I can I can talk about the actual gameplay in a little bit. But then also, um, my other point uh, is Nintendo does this does something similar to this. Um, they do fairly fairly regularly. They don't do it with a new Zelda game or a new Mario game, but they do do it. And I think that this is interesting in that usually it's the opposite, right? Something becomes popular, and then five years later, Nintendo's like, "Here's our take on this thing. Um, we've gotten it to fit into our." you know, universe paradigm. Yeah. Our paradigm in our universe. So I do think it's interesting that I, that, uh, indie developers do this all the time that Nintendo does this some of the time and only now do we have a triple a big budget publisher with a you know in their proprietary developer saying okay well why don't we try this like it's it seems like i think the only time that i've ever seen it happen is for like remasters of old games and i can't even cite a specific example but you know, uh, you know, say say a, a a remake of like an old game that EA published or whatever, and they for like I don't know the original Xbox, and they they posted up on Origin like a re, like a remaster of it. I, I don't know if something like that has happened, but it almost always seems that you know developers are spending a lot of time and money and energy um, trying to time out and curate the the whole hype cycle and we had a whole episode on the hype cycle and we're we're seeing it right now with anthem 
And mm-hmm. it ends up being, especially now in 2019, it ends up being more damage control than anything else. And yeah, I, and I think that, um, and I think that this is going to, so, so to circle all the way back around to like my original answer to your question. Yeah. I think that this is too attractive, especially the way that this panned out. This is too attractive. And if you look, you can find precedent for it. So it's not the most unheard of thing that any, that it's ever done. You know what I mean? I think that the way that this turned out, the way that Apex Legends panned out is too attractive for big developers to not try immediately. I do, I, I, there has to be a game that's already in the, in the drawing board stages as of last Monday. That is a complete, that is going to be a complete secret. That is 1000% true. 1000%. So I have two things I want to add to this too, right? So the first being that this kind of makes me sad in one sense, because one of the narratives that's kind of been going around for the last couple of weeks is this whole idea of we want game companies to be more transparent with us, right? Yeah. Tell us what the hell is going on. This kind, this entire, the whole, if you put this whole, just talking about EA, right? Which again, you just get this perfect contrast. If you, if anybody takes a look at the Apex Legends versus Anthem comparison, that is the best counterpoint you could ever come up with to the idea of transparency, isn't it? Because clearly, transparency is not necessarily your friend as a you know business person or a developer. Because people concoct whatever the fuck narrative they want on social media, whether it's baseless or not. But even if it's a baseless, nonsensical uh, rumor and narrative that still has real material effects on your ability to attract a, a user base, which is now literally everything, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So this is, we can call this a win, and I guess this is point two. This is a win for any studio who is going to come up with something that is not easily explained without having players' hands on it. That is totally true. So I bet you that there's going to be from... Though, of course, this only works from developers that have some way to put this in front of a lot of people or have the name to make it go viral instantly, right? Mm -hmm. So any project currently being cooked up at the likes of Ubisoft, Activision, EA, or even, you know, the big Japanese houses, Nintendo, Squeenix, whatever, whatever, any of those projects that would not easily be sold in the typical marketing and hype cycle are about to be come surprise releases. That's for sure. So it's a win there because good games that may have otherwise died because of people shitting on it on social media for months and months before it even is given to anybody to actually try. That could be, you know, a good thing, but it's a bad thing for transparency because now companies know, okay, well we can circumvent all the shit talk. If we just say nothing, I don't think I don't think that – well, yes, true. That's that's a point. But I don't think that this is going to be the norm, that we're just going to get like radio silence on everything 
Um, no, we're definitely not because this can't work for everything. No, it can't work for everything, and it can't work for. Um, it can't work for everything, and, and, and crucially, it can't work for post-release updates, right? Right. So, how about this? Okay. Um, okay. Got to bring up my boys, right? Mm-hmm. Supergiant's fourth game, Hades, was released exactly in this way. True. It was. Right? My ass sprinted to the computer, <laughs> bought the game, 20 bucks, bought the game. Done. Done. The game came with, built in, mm-hmm. a countdown clock for the next major update. The Which game's is in, pretty sick. The game's in early access. Not only that, but the Supergiant Discord which is a very active Discord community in general. I'm going to go take a peek at it right now. They have, just for Hades, um, Hades info, Hades patch notes, Hades discussion, Hades spoilers, Hades gameplay, Hades feedback, Hades tech fixes, Hades tech support, Hades old feedback, and then discussions on all their other games, uh, as well as fan works, self-promotion, server suggestions, and a whole pin for for bot commands and this is uh updated by the by you know actual developers complete with like with with built-in ama sessions all all the time all the time so no we didn't get any transparency that that hades was a thing i was you know, no, nobody knew about it, but now that it's out, I don't see how they could be more transparent. Right. And I, and, and I think that this is, you know, part of this is because it's, it's a early access game. So they're, you know, they're, they're saying like, you know, we're, we need this feedback. So we're, we have these clear and open channels for communication, multiple ones. But even still, you know, the way that early access games work, and and this has been communicated by the the folks at Supergiant, is that, you know, the game doesn't stop being early access. It gradually just becomes a full game. And then at some point, even though it's, even though it never ceases to be this like living thing, so long as there's a player base to support, you know, at some point the early access tag just gets removed organically. And... So, so I, I think that, you know, I, I, the, the fact that it's early access kind of doesn't matter. This is just sort of the way that, that games work now, uh, for the most part. And I, and I would imagine that, um, I'm not really following up on, you know, what, what Respawn is doing with Apex Legends, but I would imagine that there have been probably daily updates from Respawn about Apex looking for feedback, you know, basically treating it like it's an early access because there was no beta, there was no anything. So it's not just a release model. This isn't, this isn't lemonade, right? There's right. no, there's no post-release content for, for lemonade, right? <laughs> like the, you, the, the way that 
games work now for you to release the game in this way is a decision that has to be followed up in a very specific way. You don't drop the you can't go radio silent, drop a game and then go radio silent again. True, very true. You cannot do that. So I think that this isn't as this is the, I, I think that this is groundbreaking just due to the size and scope of the developer and the publisher and the game itself. But mm-hmm. but this is not a sustainable model for every video game ever. So I'm not I'm not concerned about the transparency thing. Um, I think that this offers a an occasional you know, different, more honest way of discussing a product that people already have in their hands. You know, this isn't like, part of the problem is that you're, you're, you're selling them on a product that won't be available for a year. So, you know, gamers are are looking at everything. I mean, think about every time there's like a, like a trailer released for a movie from a huge studio, right? That two minute trailer, that two minute trailer is combed over frame by frame and it eventually turns into a lot of negativity because you know sure they revealed some character or whatever and they're like oh cool like this person's going to be in this movie or this person is being played by this person but it ends up festering once you know because they don't have the thing in their hands yet and and so this is this is um you can call it a lot of things, but it's it's still – I think it's just going to be like added to the repertoire. I don't think it's going to like become the new norm. I don't think it's going to be – because you can't you can't just do this like this for all of the games. It It's just – like I said, it's, it's attractive, especially for bigger studios that have had to deal with a lot of grief from their fan bases, especially during the hype cycle. And they can say like, okay – there's this pet project that we've always wanted to do. Let's just do it this way. It's it's now you know we we the the road work has been you know the track has been laid and we see that this is the way to go about doing it. We see that it is good, and it allows us to get real feedback from fans who have the product in their hands. No movement can be formed on Twitter boycotting it, calling for a boycott before anybody's ever even played it because of some perceived slight or whatever. And we can have an honest, like, like level playing field discussion with, with all of the people who are act or playing it in real time. And so I think, I think that that's the major takeaway here is that we have, we now have a, uh, 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 a safe and sustainable alternative to the traditional method of uh, AAA releases. Yeah, I mean, everything you said is totally true. And I even think about the angle of, again, this being the whole games as a service era. The release, in many ways, is really just the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. But when I was thinking about the question, I was thinking more in the terms of Again, you hear all the game journalists complain about 
why won't people why won't these studios just admit what they're doing because of course rumors and stuff come up all the time you know um there's all sorts of leaks and such that happen and then the studios will play coy and pretend it's not a thing even when basically everybody has evidence that is real right and so you the mentality has become over the years among us the audience well why don't they just come out and say this is what's happening why do they pretend so much when everybody knows something is either wrong or something is happening and you just haven't said so right Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where i said i felt that this is a in that specific way that's where i believe this is a blow to transparency because i think prior to this we were kind of trending toward studios coughing up this information on titles at the very least that they've announced but again, this just um, makes an argument, of course, talking about things that have not come out yet for greater secrecy. True. Once something is out in the wild, regardless of how it got there, yeah, you have to be out there and dealing with it. Period. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. But I'm just talking about if we're dealing entirely with things that have not come out yet and people are trying to find out information about it, that's where I think this is a blow to transparency. Because now studios have, even if they're not going to do surprise release, they have added incentive now to keep their cards close to the vest for as long as possible. In fact, this is going to segue very nicely into this Nintendo Direct, right? Mm-hmm. Because this was this Direct was a huge surprise. I feel like they gave even less notice than they usually do. Yeah, they basically gave us 24 hours notice. Barely even that. Because it's like the Tuesday evening, they're like, oh yeah, tomorrow we're doing Nintendo Direct. And of course, the the usual internet meltdown happens. <laughs> I want to make a couple quick general Nintendo Direct comments, by the way, because I don't think we've talked about this yet. Sure. One of the things that I love about Nintendo Direct is that this is the 2019 version of Nintendo Power. Yeah. This is Nintendo saying to all of us, Directly, as Nintendo Power did, here's what we got in the pipe. Except it's much fancier. And you even have the community element. Because, of course, with Nintendo Power, you have people writing in letters and sending in fan artwork and they do contests. All that stuff now just happens on social media around it. Nintendo Direct for gamers is appointment viewing. Appointment viewing! Yep. You, I, and everybody else we know, and many other people around the internet pretty much drop what they're doing or rearrange their schedule so that ass can be in front of a screen at whatever time that Nintendo is going to come out from the curtain at the Vatican and pronounce to the world what the Holy See has got. I uh, had to take the train into the city um, shortly after five and I had left my headphones at my desk at work so I, for the first time in my life, became the person I always complain about and watch that shit without headphones, mad loud, on the train. <laughs> was anybody on the train like, oh shit, Nintendo Direct? <laughs> <laughs> no, luckily, luckily it was a pretty empty train and only, the, the only people who may have been within earshot with me had headphones on because they were smart and brought their headphones with them. Right. But you see, perfect example right there. This is appointment viewing. Mm-hmm. You got to be honest with you. 
I mean, I couldn't because I knew I had to be at work late last night. So I turned off every notification on my damn phone until I knew I could come and watch it. Yeah. Don't tell me shit. <laughs> I don't want to know. Yeah. I'm not going on Twitter. I'm not going on anything. I'm coming home and I'm watching Nintendo Direct. The other thing I was going to mention, which you alluded to earlier, is that Nintendo has become very good at making these Nintendo Directs a really feel-good exercise overall. Mm-hmm. Because there's always going to be some mix of stuff you knew about, stuff you didn't know about, stuff you hoped for, and, by the way, just to sweeten the whole thing, here's a couple of surprises that you can enjoy right now. Even though most of the stuff they talk about is not going to be out for a while. And to the point about keeping things close to the vest, Nintendo is arguably the most notorious company for keeping things close to the vest. And I think this Direct in particular, shows how much they've really taken at home. Because almost everything here they announced, actually I think everything they did announce, is coming out this year. And in many cases, just like a couple months. Yeah. So they really said, we are holding these cards to the visest. Don't come near me. (laughs) Back up. Yeah. You'll see these cards when we're good and damn ready. Let's let's, let's talk about it. Because... uh, some of this is like is unbelievable. They kicked off with Super Mario Maker Two, so there's a, a game that you hoped for, right? We hoped for Mario Maker Two. We mm-hmm. knew that eventually we'd get it. June. What? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and um, I'm actually excited for this. I really did enjoy Mario Maker One, even though I did not play like a ton of it. Mm-hmm. But it really is a fantastic game. It really is a. Um, it's something. It's really one of those things that does have something for everything, everybody. It's a, a classic Nintendo, a classic Nintendo take on the whole user generated content concept. Mm-hmm. It really is the kind of thing I feel like just about anybody can come in and, you know, make something that could could blow up on the internet. I just hope they really improve the sharing tools for this one. Given the audience of the Switch compared to the Wii U, and the Wii U version had a lot of content. Like, a lot of people made levels for that. Yeah. So, I have a feeling it's about to go into the freaking stratosphere now. Plus, there's Cat Mario, so... <laughs> <laughs> Who can be mad at that? Uh, we found out about... Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yep. What do you think of Fire Emblem? Uh, I think I'm ready for a new Fire Emblem game. I I'm definitely ready. I think um, so. This is interesting because it's not. It, I think it's it's the first console, quote unquote, console Fire Emblem game since what, like Radiant Dawn or something. Yeah. Um, the Wii run. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, which I think was also. GameCube. I think no, was, there was uh, Path of Radiance for GameCube. Oh, Path of Ra- okay. Um, I think I think the Wii one was Radiant. Oh, let's just double check before we tell people stupid. Let's go on. Okay, but so I played I played Awakening and I loved it, and and Fates was like, like almost. It was Radiant Dawn. Sorry, gone. <laughs> huh? It was Radiant. Radiant Dawn, Dawn was the Wii one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I said it right. Okay. Yeah. Um. 
why would they call them Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn? Why would they use a like this, a, <laughs> the a same root for the for Radiant? Like whatever. Anyway, the <laughs> he's offended. Uh, I, I am. I didn't think about that until just now. But like, yeah, that's still gonna be stirring up old shit. But listen, yeah. Um, Fire Emblem Awakening was the best Fire Emblem game, uh, and then it was followed up with Fates. Like very shortly afterwards, I think like the next year, and mm-hmm. I wasn't as thrilled and with it, and and I, I put like over a hundred hours in both games, so I was a little. I feel I think I was just feeling a little too burned out. I think it was just too much Fire Emblem, too close to one another, and I don't think that I was. I don't. I don't think that. Um, and it, it had been a while uh, in between Radiant Dawn and Awakening. So I was like ready for Awakening. Awakening was great. So good. And then a year later, it was more Fire Emblem. It was very similar to Awakening, but not as good. And I was kind of like, whatever. But now, um, I think from what they showed, it looks different enough. It looks pretty different, actually, from Awakening and Fates. And I think I'm excited now. I think by this summer... I'll be, you know, ready to go. And also, I, I think it was just, um, I think it was perfect in uh, handheld mode anyway. Like, I think the 3DS was a great system for Fire yeah. Emblem. And so I'm happy that it's on the Switch. Um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, that's my that's my take on Three Houses. Uh, I'm excited for it, and that's that's why I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm I'm all about this whole Harry Potter vibe going on. Yeah, uh, I, I also think it's very clever to have the player in the place of the professor mm-hmm. because you are the overall tactical person. So it kind of gives you that meta layer. It gives the player a a stake in the story with a kind of a direct link, which is nice. Uh, I also it's funny because you talk about how. Fire Emblem is such a great fit for handheld. And for me, the attraction of Three Houses is the exact opposite, which is finally I can play Fire Emblem again on my TV with a proper controller. The 3DS is a fantastic system. I've loved all my time with it. But this whole me playing on the cramped-ass system, you know, for hours at a time, no, 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 no. We're done with those days. So, yeah. That that's one of the reasons the switch is such a godsend to me. That I can finally put those days to bed definitively. All of my Nintendo on one system that can be hooked up to my nice TV. Uh, but let's keep going. So the next thing, which you know, of course, again, more things that are uh, tickling my nether regions. Astral Chain from Platinum Games. Mm-hmm. Literally, you should have seen me watching this trailer because, of course, they didn't say anything about. They just went into the trailer. I'm like, okay, let's see. Cool visuals. I see big creatures. Really fast-paced action. Dumping soundtrack. I, I was like, I smell platinum in the air. And then they started revealing the credits. I was like, yep. <laughs> yep. As soon as he said to me, I was like, okay. And, but, I, but even before that, I, I, had this, I had the exact same reaction as you did. I was on the train like, this is some platinum shit. Yeah. <laughs> You can tell immediately. Yeah. In the best possible way. So I'm totally on board with this. It looks really fun. August 30th as well. 
this might have been a good candidate for a surprise release game. But only, I guess, if they were doing a Nintendo Direct in August. Mm-hmm. Because they'd be like, oh, by the way, we're announcing this new game from Platinum Games. It's out now. Yeah, and, and how would that have gone? I think probably pretty good. I think people would have been, like, mashing the refresh button on the Nintendo eShop. <laughs> Which is exactly I mean, I what developers me. want, right? Uh, yeah. For so, sure. So? Uh, so do it, guys. But I'm sure it's platinum. I'm sure they have yet more surprises up their sleeves, too. I mean, nobody would have seen this shit coming, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so they mentioned Box Boy, which I've never played, but looks really fun. Yeah, I've so also that's never gonna played c- it, but I remember people sweating it when it was out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be like the big, what did they say? That's the big April game. So that's fine. Uh, they mentioned a Dragon Quest Eleven release for Switch finally, which now puts me in an agonizing position because I want the PC version, which is already available, but they added the 3DS feature of being able to switch immediately between 16-bit mode and full HD, which is so cool. Not to mention that they put the orchestrated soundtrack by default. I mean, you can mod it into... Uh, the PC version, but still. Yeah. We'll see. We will see. So, uh, and, oh, as for surprise releases, they released two surprise things. We got a surprise demo for Damon X Machina, which we also found was coming up this summer. Another thing is coming out super soon. And we found, we got a surprise free game for the Nintendo Switch Online subscribers, Tetris 99. Which is the most bonkers... This is classic Nintendo bonkers concept. Yeah. They're like, oh, we see you guys like this Battle Royale business. How about Tetris Battle Royale? Who thinks of that? I, I, don't, I don't know. And the worst thing is that everybody, on, everybody online was like, man, wake me up when it's Puyo Puyo Battle Royale. And I was like... Oh, brother. I was like, first off, I was like, my eyes rolled out of my skull. And then second, I was, I was like, I was like, we just, we just got Tetris Battle Royale. Like, did, I was like, did, did the novelty of that like already wear off on you? Like, cause I'm still here. Like, man, like that's so bizarre. I'm, I still think it's bizarre and it's been, it's been over 24 hours and they were immediately like, Oh yeah, I like the like just compl- I, like talk about like flying over your head, man. Like just like completely missing the point of of that release wasn't to be like here's another Tetris game. It was to be like here's a ridiculous spin on a game that everybody knows how to play. Right. Though to be honest, I hope that Sega, which I think is the Puyo Puyo licensor, uh, I do hope that they decide to do. Battle Royale Puyo Puyo because Puyo Puyo is the game upon which a puzzle fighter is based. Right. Puzzle fighters essentially reskin Puyo Puyo. And if they do which and which is to say that Puyo Puyo is already in its DNA a very competitive puzzle game. So yeah, if they did Battle Royale Puyo Puyo, that shit would be sick. But yes, you're completely correct to say that people yet again in their search for clicks on social media and, and fucking likes so they can advertise their damn SoundCloud, 
just get on there and say whatever edgelord nonsense that they, they come to their skull. But yeah, that's a different story. Uh, I just want to real quick glaze over a couple other highlights of Captain Toad Treasure Tracker getting an update, which is awesome. I still haven't bought the Switch version, but you know now I got to think about it because now there's actually a decent amount of new stuff in it. Uh, that game, highly recommend anybody that didn't play it. It was great times on the Wii U. And I'm sure the Switch version is just as good. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yoshi's Crafted World also got a, a surprise demo, mm-hmm. which I didn't download yet. And I'm sure that's something that's particularly up your alley. That game looks awesome. Yeah, I've always been fond of the of the Yoshi games, the Yoshi side-scrolling games, even the ones that, you know, don't don't immediately, like, jump out as, like, you know, an important game to play. Right. I don't know. I always just appreciated them. Yeah, they're they're always, you know, you can't go wrong is the point. Yeah, exactly. I've never been like I've never been like, "Ugh, dude. This, <laughs> this sucks." <laughs> you know? <This> terrible. <laughs> oh, Word. Uh, a couple of the things. So, again in batshit things, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 by Team Ninja. What? Yeah, that's that that was revealed a while ago, but we got a, it. It was a real while ago, but it looks really interesting. Yeah, and they added like a like dynamic camera. Yeah, but it looks like Diablo on crack. Well, that's what Marvel Ultimate Alliance always kind of was. Like it was just it was just Marvel Diablo, but yeah, they definitely like cranked it up a notch. Several. Well, that's the part I was saying. Yeah, definitely. Ultimate Alliance has always been Marvel Diablo. This looks like, yeah, they took that, the Team Ninja touch, I think, is going to be in this game, which makes it worthy of at least being looked at um, for a lot of people. So, yeah, we'll see. That's that's going to be interesting. They mentioned the Smash version 3 update. Of course, they're like, announced, we're not telling you anything. Yeah. Which makes me think that there's going to be some significant change or addition to the game, which will be interesting. So, I can't wait to see what that's about. Mm-hmm. As I'm hype about the Starlink update, so they're going to put more Star Fox stuff in Starlink, which is a pretty good game already. Uh, so that's going to be fun. And the final thing I want to bring up to you, because I know this is definitely up your alley in particular, your boys Tokyo RPG Factory are back. I know, man. People, um, people were like, uh, "Oh, third time's the charm." Like, okay. <laughs> Stop. First off, but, so okay. Th- this this game uh, looked cool. It's the it's it's um, the first game that they're doing. They're churning out the, these games at a pretty rapid clip, which I appreciate. But they're this one is uh, action RPG with like, uh, and it's like about ghosts and spirits, which I think mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, apparently, I, I I I liked I Am Setsuna more than everybody else did. And then I didn't play Lost Sphere because everybody shat on it, and I be- <laughs> and I believe that it probably wasn't as good as I Am Setsuna. Um, right. But I haven't lost faith that they're capable of producing like good, like I don't want to say light RPGs, but not like you know feature length like Final Fantasy RPGs, like a step below that. You know, like like more right. more consumable, I guess. RPGs, right? right? I, 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 
I was too impressed with I am Setsuna to, to say it, to like write them off after a 50% success rate, essentially. For and, sure. And I do and think that this game looks interesting. Yeah, this one definitely looks interesting. I'll definitely keep my eye on this. Um, and as you said, or as, or I should just say, as our social media friends said, hopefully third time really is the charm <laughs> at the very least in terms of attention. Yeah. But that I think is pretty much everything significant to us, at least in uh, the Nintendo Direct. They did, of course, also announce a couple of the FF release dates, including nine being out already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that, and then, um, you know, I already own like several versions of the game because it's my favorite one. Um, right. So I probably won't get it on on Switch. But like, uh, you know, Jason Trier has pointed out that it does retain the weird like. Uh, like iOS UI inter- like system, which everybody agrees is ugly and is uh, kind of a sad, um, kind of like a sad outcome for for this game. That like the PS One UI was just see- looks so charming in comparison, right? But whatever the game, it's it's still the game. Uh, which I like, but yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I can justify picking up like a fourth copy of the game just because it's on a new system. I severely doubt that too. Oh, how could I forget? What a moron I am! Uh, t- the final thing they announced, which was the Link's Awakening remake. Yes, 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 yes. So, which is yeah, again, this is the most Nintendo type move ever. You know, they had Breath of the Wild, and we're going to follow up with this Gumby-looking <laughs> Zelda remake, which is not a denigration. Like, I really like the style that they're going for. Yeah, me too. I think – so I – this is one of the few I haven't played, one of the few Zelda games I haven't played. Um, mm-hmm. I, I relayed this story on on Twitter, but uh, – I will say it here again. I got this. I got Link's Awakening D- DX for the Game Boy Color from uh, Christmas 1998, and mm. my cart was DOA. Mm. But I was too like meek and polite of a of like a young child to say anything. So whenever my parents were like, "How's the game we got you?" I was always like, "It's great." guys but I, I couldn't play the, oh my god but i couldn't play the damn thing i did i couldn't i like couldn't muster the courage to tell them that a gift they got me didn't work for some reason so i just i just i just took the l and continued on with my life um that sucks yeah so i've never played this game even though i could have easily just like you know, emulated it or, or gotten it for another, if it, I don't know if it had been re-released for any other system since then, but people love this game. And I did end up watching a great deal of it because I had friends that also got it and I would watch it on the bus or whatever. So like I got, I got snippets of it, but I, I wanted to play it. You know, I'm, I'm a player. So, right. Of course. So I'm finally going to have an opportunity to do it. And I do think that Especially looking back at the original, like, you know, it, it's nice that they polished it up a little bit, gave it, you know, 2019-ified it. Um, 
which I appreciate. And I'm, I'm going to enjoy playing that for the first time. People are out here all of a sudden out of the woodwork saying that's the top three Zelda game. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, slow down. I'm sure it's good, but you can't, you can't be making top three claims out here with, with Zelda. You, you can't like, right. I was, I saw, I saw, I saw that claim and I was like, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you're going to tell me that with, Ocarina of Time, Breath of the Wild, and like Link Between Worlds. That you're going to tell me it's Wind Waker, and Wind Waker, and Majora's Mask, and like Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess, and you're going to tell you're going to tell me it's going to like crack that. <laughs> I don't know. It like and then and then not just crack that, but rise to the top. Three. There's always that crew. There's always that crew. Listen, all I'm saying is that I didn't hear this ever until yesterday, so I'm skeptical. But I'm sure it is very good, and I'm excited to play it. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. Now, of course, I didn't have any of the OG Game Boy systems. My first was Game Boy Advance. So this whole era passed me by. Though the thing for me is I'm kind of curious why they chose to do this game and not... A link to the past. Uh, because a link to the past wasn't good. Shots have been fired on Frog Snacks podcast. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't good. They, uh, listen, they did. They did link between worlds because mm. they knew that if they redid link to the past it wouldn't have gone over well. <clears throat> the first two Zelda games are probably the worst ones. Well, technically, it's a, link, a Link to the Past is the third, but... The, all that shit sucks. <laughs> it does. Sucks! All that shit sucks. Link's Awakening might be the first good Zelda game. Woo! Which I think is like the fourth one. The takes are hot. I, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, listen. Takes are hot and steamy. I mean, listen. People, when 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 Link Between Worlds came out, everybody was like, "This is like Link to the Past," you know, type stuff. Mm-hmm. They made that game because they knew they couldn't do a remake. But wouldn't the point of the remake be to tighten up the things that were whack? I think at that point they were just like, let's make a new game and have it be like a, like a spiritual remake. And it ended up being fantastic because the thing with those games is the the core elements of what makes a good game is there, but they were just ugly and broken and shitty like they were, but the, they, they kept a lot of that same stuff. You know, the, the gating out of areas, sort of this like, this like open world, like, um, but still have like things gated off, sort of like, you know, the, all that stuff, all the stuff that they broke in Breath of the Wild by giving you everything right from the beginning, right, which was like the the big thing. All that stuff was was good. The concepts were good, but I don't. I think that what they wanted to do with Link Between Worlds was take all that stuff from like the first two or three Zelda games that was good and say, okay, let's make this as like, 
let's make this as little of a burden as possible and make an entirely new game built on all of these same concepts and then add in some like uh like shadow world shit and then also get rid of like your inventory pack and have everything be rented and it was awesome it was right. awesome but they couldn't have done those things by just doing cuz the thing with like links awakening this is as people have pointed out on the internet a completely faithful recreation right like every right. every pixel of that game every everything is exactly where it was in the original it's just cleaner and newer and better right but they they didn't add or subtract anything they just made it look good because right. it is a good game but they couldn't do that with the first three <laughs> Well, that was uh, an interesting thing. Uh, I can't really agree or disagree in an informed manner because I don't have much experience with Zelda prior to Ocarina of Time. I know I'm a filthy heathen, but uh, I'm sure you might get a response or two on the interwebs. Well, so be it. <laughs> so be it. And that, and that truly is the, the nature of this podcast. So be it. Yeah. So, all right. I think that that I think that we've. Uh, I think that I think that we've. Um, we've covered our bases. Covered our bases. We uh, we spit some some takes. We've read some tea leaves. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think that that uh, wraps up the episode. If you want to yell at me, I understand. Uh, you can do that on the internet, uh, on Twitter, preferably at Frog Snacks. We also have an Instagram at Frog Snacks Podcast, our website frogsnacks.net, and obviously we're on Apple Podcasts and any other uh, you know uh, podcast app or whatever that that takes aggregate from Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us out. And we will talk to all you fine people next week. Take care, everybody.